Welcome to your Sunday Reader. Today we'll be discussing the readings for the second Sunday in Ordinary Time, 2010. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. For Zion's sake, I will not be silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet. Until her vindication shines forth like the dawn, and her victory like a burning torch. Nations shall behold your vindication, and all the kings your glory. You shall be called by a new name, pronounced by the mouth of God. You shall be a glorious crown in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem held by your God. No more shall people call you forsaken, or your land desolate, but you shall be called my delight, and your land espoused. For the Lord delights in you, and makes your land his spouse. As a young man marries a virgin, your builder shall marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so shall your God rejoice in you. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Proclaim his marvelous deeds to all the nations. Proclaim his marvelous deeds to all the nations. Sing to the Lord. Sing a new song. Sing to the Lord, all you lands. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Proclaim his marvelous deeds to all the nations. Announce his salvation day after day. Tell his glory among the nations, among all peoples, his wondrous deeds. Proclaim his marvelous deeds to all the nations. Give to the Lord, you families of nations. Give to the Lord glory and praise. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Proclaim his marvelous deeds to all the nations. Worship the Lord in holy attire. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord is king. He governs the peoples with equity. Proclaim his marvelous deeds to all the nations. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different forms of service, but the same Lord. There are different workings, but the same God, who produces all of them in everyone. To each individual the manifestation of the Spirit is given for some benefit. To one is given through the Spirit the expression of wisdom, to another the expression of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another mighty deeds, to another prophecy, to another discernment of spirits, to another varieties of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit produces all of these, distributing them individually to each person as he wishes. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. There was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the wedding. When the wine ran short, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, how does your concern affect me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servers, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for Jewish ceremonial washings, 
each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told them, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it. And when the head waiter tasted the water that had become wine without knowing where it came from, although the servers who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves good wine first, and then, when people have drunk freely, an inferior one. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this as the beginning of his signs at Cana in Galilee, and so revealed his glory. And his disciples began to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Hello and welcome to your Sunday Reader. I'm Father Brian and I'm here today with Dawn. Hello everyone. And Dawn, we're finally back together on this podcast. I was in Orlando two weeks ago and then last week something happened where I was doing it alone. I can't remember what came up on your end. We did a staff training all day and so Uh it took me away. So I see. We're all trained and it's a good staff development day. Excellent. Excellent. Well, that's good too. Good to have those every now and then. Sometimes they can be grueling, but uh, <laughs> sometimes they're necessary too, and hopefully there'll be some good fruit that comes out of that, mm-hmm. right. having a trained staff. Anyway, today we have probably one of the more popular gospel stories, or probably one of the most popular miracle stories, certainly, the wedding at Cana. Everybody always remembers when somebody can turn water into wine to keep a party going. So... <laughs> um, So this story is one that's probably most people are familiar with. And there's some, you know, real neat stuff that comes out of this whole passage, too. It's not just about, you know, Jesus doing, like I said, you know, performing a miracle to keep a party going. Although it does kind of seem that way. You know, that is kind of the initial impression. It's not a miracle that, you know, heals somebody or has, uh, certainly by our secular standards, real great, uh, noble humanitarian value this is it really is i turned water into wine for some friends of mine to keep a party going (laughs) um and in some sense though that i think itself is a theological statement that uh the kingdom of heaven this feast that god is inviting us to is one where god is going to want to keep the party going he wants to be in this celebration with us and inhabit continually going. So that, that is a, there is a theological significance there, although I don't think that's the main bulk of this passage by any means. Mm-hmm. One of the things, though, that I did notice from this, there's a couple of interesting things. One of them, I think, that sticks right out at us is the response Jesus gives to his mother. You know, woman, how does your concern affect me? Certainly, if I would have ever said that to my mother, <laughs> I wouldn't be standing here today. <laughs> I, I, we don't think of Jesus in that way either. We think, oh, Jesus was always the good son. And <laughs> yes, and obedient. I mean, that's right, that's yeah. one of his trademarks is, is, is the obedience. Um, and it even says in the um, Synoptic Gospels that he went and he was obedient to, his, to, um, to Mary and Joseph, to his uh, human right, parents yeah. there. So you sit here and you say, wow, this is a really shocking uh, comment. Now, one of the things, too, in the Greek text, I believe, Don, that you've got some information for us on how that might literally be translated. Well, you mentioned it, so I went in search of some, and this is only one response, but um, 
uh, they say and oh i can't talk anymore <laughs> that's not good for a podcast um the phrase literally translated means what to me and to you woman and so that was sort of a that's a different twist on it um right Right. What to me and to you does this concern? You know, what is this concern right. to, to us? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, um, and so they have in this one little reference, they have two suggestions on what it's what it often meant. Sometimes it means um, it's a response of someone who feels unjustly bothered by another, and uh, sometimes they use this phrase. Um, an answer to of someone who refuses to get involved in the affairs of someone else. So both of those are when you think of that in this context, you can it it provokes further thought on what was really going on and what was going through Jesus's mind and things like that. Right. Now another thing I read also suggested too that I mean even when you read it literally, you still have this issue of this very impersonal way Jesus is speaking to his mother. He's mm-hmm. I mean. You can't get around the fact that he's calling her a woman there right. and not mom or, you know, Mary. I'm assuming he probably called her mom. But one of the things that was suggested is that in doing this, he is distancing himself. It's a theological move where he's being distanced from his mother. And in the process, it's going to reveal who he really is in terms of the father. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, the father being God the father, not Joseph. Um <laughs> And, and showing that this is the moment when that happens, when he is being distanced from the mother, and this is the moment now he's about the will of the father. Mm. And so that that could be one of the the reasons for for the the, the harsh language there. Certainly, one of the things, just to be very clear, is it would not be to disrespect Mary. Right. Um, and and certainly, we know from what we know of Jesus and and what we know of Mary, too, that that would not have been a um, something, a dynamic going on there. One of the things we also have to keep in mind that the Mediterranean culture at that time was quite different than what we are today. And so when kids were little, they were reared by women. But as they grew up, um, they, almost all of them sort of um, tried to weaken the ties between with all females at that point mm-hmm. and including their mothers so they rejected claims of all women upon them and so i think that's a big thing in all of this is that it's a totally different culture than we are in the 21st right. century and and so that's an important thing to remember yes yes it is and one of the things that uh, that's also equally striking then is is mary's response mm-hmm. right. do whatever he tells you yeah. Um, and it's this whole putting faith right there in in Christ, putting faith in her son. She is the first believer in Christ from the moment that the angel Gabriel came to her and she said, let it be done unto me according to your word, uh, up all the way through the scripture. She's the first believer and usually the model for believing in Christ. Mm-hmm. too because of course she does it perfectly so she says do whatever he tells you again it's kind of this thing he is now kind of separated himself there's a whole image of being with the the father and the father's uh, you know about the father's business uh, by separating himself from the mother and if if that's what she's recognizing then that is the right response you know do whatever he tells you if he's going about the father's business do whatever he tells you, certainly is the right response. Then you get into this whole 
issue with the six jars that were used for ceremonial washings. Um, some interesting things here. One of them is that there are six jars and not seven. Seven would be a perfect number. So we have six jars here that are used for ceremonial washing, for cleansing and purification. It's, it's an incomplete number. And it kind of is a little bit of foreshadowing that this is going to be brought to completion, or it needs to be brought to completion. That something that you've got an incomplete number here in the, the in the scriptures, the numbers a lot of times are largely symbolic, mm-hmm. and six is definitely one of those really symbolic number numbers because it's it's incompleteness when you see six. Seven is completeness. Right. Six is incomplete. So there's kind of this incomplete number of jars, something lacking. And so when you hear that, you say, oh, well, that's going to be what's going to be fixed here is we're going to have something lacking brought to fulfillment. And indeed, that's what happens. They fill the jar with water, and Jesus, of course, changes the water into wine. That is important for us theologically to remember that whatever incompleteness we have, Jesus can transform that and bring it to completeness. And not only that, but he brings it to a completeness that is so full that it shocks the, not just the fact that the water was turned to wine. That's kind of the miracle of the story there. It is the miracle of the story. But what's interesting is that the head waiter who hadn't witnessed any of this just goes and tastes the wine, and he's shocked by the quality of the wine. Right. You know, not not even knowing the the whole background of this. So certainly everybody else would be shocked that even that the water has now become wine, you know, regardless of what it tasted like. But this is a kind of top-shelf wine, so to speak. And at this point in the festivities, it would have been unusual to have the top-shelf wine because, you know, people have been drinking for a while and not feeling any pain, and so you would serve a lesser quality at that point. But now, even though they're all drunk, they're getting this best wine. Right, and as you were pointing out, we were talking a little before the podcast, and I think you had a very good point about, you know, the people are too drunk to even deserve this wine or to even know that this is really good wine that they're being served. And I thought, you know, how often is that the case in our own lives where God gives us something so great and we're just incapable of appreciating it? I mean, and I think we have to answer honestly over and over again, the Eucharist itself, I don't think we could ever say that we ever reached true appreciation of the Eucharist right? Um, or, you know, or of God becoming incarnate. Even no matter how much somebody is devoted to the Eucharist, we're never going to reach that true appreciation of exactly how fine of a wine this is that we have. Very good point. And I'm not calling the Eucharist wine. <laughs> just, just for the record, <laughs> there. The just analogy, right? That's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, yes. Before everybody goes, ooh, listen to Father Brian's heresy here. He's denying the real presence. No, no, that's not the case. But I think that that's an important thing, and that's what really comes out, at least for me, in this story here, is how this something so ordinary is give is changed to something that's so extraordinary, and how it's so extraordinary to the point that we can't even appreciate how good it is. And beyond, uh, Eucharist is the prime example, obviously, but even in our own lives, God gives us so much that we don't appreciate so, so much of the fine wine quote. Just in, you know, perhaps it's the relationships we have with other people. Sometimes it's something we're just blessed with that, well, we don't deserve this and... <laughs> And we can, so, and oftentimes we can't even appreciate it because we don't recognize it. Mm-hmm. So, 
yes, we're too busy, as one of our priests in our diocese told me yesterday, we're too busy drinking our yellowtail to even notice what this is. <laughs> That's pretty darn good. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, Don, we are coming to the end of our podcast, believe it or not. Nice. Um, so I hope people have gotten something more than just let's keep the party going. And, of course, we do hope you will keep the party going by joining us next week on your Sunday Reader. Have a good week. God bless. <laughs>